there comes a point where you need to stop pulling people out of the river and we need to go upstream and find out why they are falling in. You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Welcome to the Public Health Pharmacist Podcast with Dr. Christina Madison. Dr. Madison's mission is focused on spreading knowledge about public health to create better communities. The Public Health Pharmacist is a member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Hey guys, welcome to the Public Health Pharmacist Podcast, now part of the Pharmacist Podcast Network. I'm so excited to have a phenomenal guest with me today, Dr. Lil, uh, Sandra Lil. Um, I, I, I can't even um, tell you guys how just amazed I was when I reached out through social media, of course, uh, to see if she would be one of my guests for one of my first episodes um, of my podcast through the network. So um, without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and let Dr. Lil um, introduce herself a little bit, and then we're going to dive into a bunch of questions because Um, I just, I am so excited to just talk about all of the things that we have in common and that we share, uh, her leadership journey, and just how she's really changing the face of the pharmacy profession and advocating for things like provider status, more representation, because we know representation matters, and then also her thoughts about public health. So without further ado, take it away. Thank you so much, uh, Christina. I was very excited when you reached out to me. I've been following you for a while and you have the same passion as I do in public health. So I love to see what you post and I'm glad we have the same types of um, experiences and interests and we can definitely help support each other, especially in this profession, which I think is so much in line with public health in general that I, I just don't see how you can be a pharmacist without really caring or focusing on on public health. They're so uh, intertwined together. And uh, so just to give you a little bit of background right now, I'm the executive vice president for Tabula Rasa Healthcare. And this um, company is in Tucson, Arizona. So I'm sitting right now in the middle of downtown Tucson. And I grew up just a few miles south of here in Nogales, Arizona, right on the border uh, between Mexico and the United States. I grew up on the American side. but I am super excited about this year because next, actually in two months, in March, I will be installed as president of the American Pharmacists Association. And um, that's really exciting. If you would have asked me, you know, when I was in school, um, in pharmacy school, if I would have ever dreamed of this, I didn't even know this was a, was a possibility. So I'm really excited about what's to come and um, just the changes of everything happening. Uh, there's a lot of changes, especially this week. <laughs> it seems like everything's happening this week. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, you know, it's, you know, this pandemic, it's, it's sort of a two sided coin, because I feel like there's been so much, um, you know, tragedy, and things that have come to light, as far as, you know, racial justice, and, Mm -hmm. you know, just talking about, you know, like, representation, leadership roles, uh, you know, changes in, in the political climate. And, you know, in, in spite of all of that sort of dire, you know, news, there's been these kind of pockets of hope and just overall, like, 
drivenness of like people and the ability to pivot and move forward. And, and I think you're, you would definitely land in that bucket. I think that there's been lots of opportunities that have come up because of the pandemic and the fact that now things are so accessible through virtual means, which, you know, obviously you and I right now are doing this remotely. Um, So with that being said, can you tell me a little bit about how things have changed for you, both the good and the bad, and maybe the little bit of the ugly, um, as far as what's been going on with you because of the pandemic? I know um, this probably wasn't how you thought your year as president-elect of APHA was going to go, but can you tell me a little bit of how things have changed for you um, for the good or the bad? Yeah, I mean, it's been an interesting year for sure. We've all had to pivot exactly what you said. Um, It'd just be very adaptable to whatever is coming. And it's been interesting. It's been an interesting year. Uh, From a professional level, a lot of the work that we've been doing has been telehealth. So what I really appreciated was just the um, enormous adoption of telehealth and really propelling that mode of reaching people and being able to engage with with patients so much more. And, you know, we saw a lot of pushback initially. Historically, like people say you can't have the same type of relationship with patients if you're doing it virtually, which is true to a degree. But at the same time, when you look at the new ways that you can reach people and the ways you can continue to maintain engagement and use it as an additional tool is, is phenomenal. And so I'm really excited about where telehealth is going. Um, I've also been really appreciative of the role that pharmacists have, have taken on with this pandemic. Uh, you know, pharmacists have just really, again, just shined as far as access to care, uh, being able to advocate for patients, being one of the essential providers, essential locations that have been open during the pandemic. And I always use the examples, not just nationally, but internationally, when you look at Italy and Spain and some of those areas where just a few places remained open, um, like grocery stores and pharmacies. You know, pharmacies were uh, one of the, the places people could still rely on uh, to care for them during this pandemic. So for us, what we've been able to do is really pivot to start addressing a lot of questions around uh, COVID. We've been a resource. We do comprehensive med reviews. We do um, outreach to patients, but but we've been able to reach patients that have been isolated and have not had a lot of other ways to communicate um, to their healthcare system or you know patients that have experienced barriers because we proactively reach out to them. So that's been one of the the greatest, um, I think, satisfying things that we've been able to do here as an organization, reach those individuals, advocate for them, resolve problems. And we have so many examples of people that were struggling that we were able to help them overcome problems. And now, now what we're seeing is people asking about, you know, the COVID schedule, the COVID vaccine schedule, when can I um, get in line? How do I register? You know, simple things, um, because it is kind of challenging when you have 50 states, 50 rules, even uh, county health departments are managing it. There's different ways this is being rolled out. So we're really trying to be uh, a collector of that information and then, and then um, convey it back out to the populations that are struggling so that we can overcome that, you know, those issues that they're experiencing. Um, on a personal level with APHA, it's been wonderful to see APHA just really step up as far as advocacy, um, <clears throat> being in front of, of uh, the policymakers to make sure that pharmacists had the ability to t- do more. Just you know, some of the changes that happened with flexibilities around vaccinating kids between the age of three and 18 across the United States, being able to order tests 
being able to do all these different things now that have been um, an expansion of scope and hopefully an, an expansion of sustainable models that we can continue uh, to carry post-pandemic. Um, those are the things that we're advocating for um, with APHA. So I've been really excited to be part of APHA during this um, this incredible time. And uh, from my perspective, you know, it's been it's been interesting because I I was a little bit concerned of running for office for presidency of the of APHA when my daughter is a junior in high school right now. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be gone for like the next you know her last two important years of high school. And you just can never plan these things. I've actually spent the most time with her since she was, you know, a baby. Now in this last year, in her last uh, year of um, high school. And so I just, I always just think about that and reflect about the really good things, the silver linings that have happened, because I love spending time with her. And I'm glad, even though this was a really busy time, that I was able to do it in a different way, uh, you know, through Zoom for everything that we needed to do professionally, but with her personally. Uh, being able to really uh, spend time with her during this critical time. So it's been quite an incredible year for sure. That's amazing. I have two toddlers. And so I, I completely identify with that and affirm what you're, what you're uh, experiencing right now. Um, you know, I working mom, uh, being a professional, uh, being in leadership, it, all of those things, you know, they pull at you from both sides. And, and it's just been such a pleasure to see um, your engagement, especially through social media and advocating for the profession. And, you know, you're so active on Twitter in particular. Um, and so I just think it's just been amazing to kind of see um, other people, not just pharmacists, engaging in the conversation with us because we have now been thrust into the spotlight and and been more of what I like to be hopefully um, no longer be an unsung hero of the healthcare system, but actually uh, be recognized for what we can contribute as well as be able to expand our scope and, and actually practice at the level of our education and not just you know, dispensing pharmacy because there is so much that we can do. Um, and, you know, we are in the midst of a, a shortage of physicians. And so there's so many things that we can do to augment, uh, you know, their services so that we can provide optimal and quality patient care for individuals, especially our communities of color, which leads me to my next question. So given recent events and the racial tensions that we've been seeing, um, you know, with the death of George Floyd and, and many others, um, what things do you think we can do personally to reduce trauma and stress um, as a, a woman of color and, and for communities of color? Because I think, you know, again, going back to pharmacists being one of the most trusted healthcare professionals, our opinion really matters. And I think seeing women of color really being thrust into the, the spotlight also because now we're going to have a new woman vice president that is the first South Asian, first African-American woman um, in this very high office. Uh, I think that a lot of times, you know, we're seeing the community look to us for answers. So what, what are your thoughts about that? I mean, I think representation matters so much and that's that's really the key thing to make sure that the voices that need to be heard are, are sitting at the table to be heard. Uh, I think about that a lot in, in things that I get activated and engaged with. I, you know, I sometimes come in and I'm sometimes the only person who's either um, Hispanic or 
a woman, in fact, you know, in the business community I'm in, you, you have a lot of executive leadership that um, a lot of times there's not a lot of diversity. If you see some of the changes with even just the NASDAQ, for example, where they're now actually regulating to have one person who's diverse <laughs> on their board, just one, I'm like, wow, there's such a, a challenge. And you only see that about maybe 25% of the companies out there have that individual representing diversity. That's pretty much, that's bleak. That means we really need to do a lot more to have representation. So it starts with that. It starts with looking at organizations, looking um, you know, at, at opportunities out there, looking at presentations and looking whether or not you're inviting people that represent the different communities that need their voices heard. And if we don't hear those voices, then we have a significant problem. So, um, so that's really critical for me just to be able to, to make sure that I'm just more conscientiously looking at that more proactively. And I'm so glad APHA really stepped up and created a task force on racism, on real, we've been addressing inclusion, equity, looking at everything related to APHA as it relates to policies, um, you know, how we actually look at, you know, slating candidates, for example, to have representation. Uh, that's, a, you know, it's, it, takes, it takes very significant um, motivation and it, you really have to be very intentional in doing that to be able to be successful at it. Not, it's not just, you know, there's a topic right now, let's talk about it and move on. It's something that you have to then build in as part of your usual, of your standard practice. And I love, again, my organization is really taking a very significant look, very critical look at how we've been doing things. And, and again, reevaluating how we can do things better, how we include uh, different diverse populations in, in anything that we're making, you know, anything related on products, related, uh, related to, policies, procedures, things like that. So the intentionality, I think, is what one of the key uh, drivers. And then I always talk to people, uh, students, whoever I'm precepting, I'm like, you know, get involved also. Don't expect an invitation. You have to be the one um, that picks up the phone and asks for the opportunity. I always share a story that I think is kind of like, it's an example. And this is not, isn't so much about, um, uh, it's, it was just a journal that I was looking at one day, I received this journal, it was on diabetes, and uh, my practice used to be in diabetes. Um, I love everything about diabetes, and the ins it, it was called Insulin Journal, and I remember I, re I received the copy of it, and I looked at it, and I was looking at the pages, and then I looked at the editors, you know, the editors that are listed in the, in the, the page after you turn the cover page, and I was looking at mm -hmm. that journal, and looking at the fact that there were no pharmacists in that group. It was all MDs, and I was wow. just thinking, like, why don't they have pharmacists in this group? It's crazy. Like you would think uh, 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 a journal entitled Insulin where you know pharmacists can make a big impact on dosing and education. They should have somebody listed on there. And I kid you not, I picked up the phone, I called the editor and I said, hey, how come you don't have any pharmacists um, as part of your, your group? And he's like, wow, we just didn't think about it. And he's like, do you have a recommendation of who we could invite? And I said, I volunteered. So I volunteered for it and I sent in my resume and sure enough, I was, um, you know, I was invited to then be one of the people there. So that was a simple way for um, me to think about, sometimes it's not that people are actively trying to exclude, but sometimes people don't even think about it or forget or make assumptions. And it sometimes takes you to actually activate others or remind people like I'm here, um, that 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 change can happen. It's not that easy all the time, but I, it's just an example that I share with a lot of the students and residents that I precept um, so that they understand that sometimes it takes a simple phone call, an ask, 
um, a volunteering, um, a taking a leadership position, you activating yourself that, that makes that change happen. Yeah, I absolutely love that. So one of the things that I tell people all the time too, because they're always like, oh, how did you get this opportunity or that opportunity? I'm like, because I asked, like no one else is asking. And, you know, sometimes you have to create the space for yourself and don't, you can't wait to be invited sometimes because that's not how the world works. And if they don't know that you're there, how are you supposed to get a seat at the table? The other thing too is unfortunately, um, I think traditionally pharmacists have not been very good at tuning their own horn. I kind of feel like we need a bit of a PR makeover. Like that's one of the things I'm definitely working on um, as far as, you know, getting uh, out into the media and, you know, having that uh, presence in other platforms like, you know, TV and, um, you know, news channels and, you know, those kinds of things, because I think, that healthcare media contributor piece, uh, oftentimes you see um, physicians and often men, um, but you don't really see pharmacists in that space. And so I've been really excited to see over the past year in particular, more pharmacists showing up in the media. Because again, if there's nobody there telling your story, it's going to be told by someone else. So why shouldn't it be told by you? And so that's something um, I just think is has also been an amazing opportunity uh, with this pandemic because you know, there's more of an open door because we can do things virtually now. Um, The other thing too, I wanted to really kind of dive into is because this is all amazing and it's all great. And it's phenomenal that you have multiple leadership positions. But I think, um, you know, for some of those people who may be listening to this, they're probably wondering, you know, how do I even get started? Um, You know, I think a lot of times that that leap to try to either even apply for a leadership position or uh, try to find a mentor to help you to get to the point where you're being groomed for leadership is really challenging. So can you maybe tell us a little bit about your leadership journey? And, you know, as one of very few women of color in leadership roles, um, not just within your, your company, but also at the professional pharmacy level, uh, you know, how did you kind of get to where you are? And, you know, I think obviously mentorship matters, but uh, a lot of times I I don't see women, once they do get to that point, reaching back and pulling someone else up or grooming the next generation to take over for that leadership position. Yeah, that's, it's, um, you know, I've had so, I've been so lucky and blessed and, uh, and I've worked hard. I mean, all of those things are a combination. There's not one single thing, but I've also been really interested in, in getting outside of pharmacy. And I think that really opened up a lot of doors for me. Sometimes we think that because we're pharmacists, we have to go the pharmacy route. And, and that's that's a really, that's a great path. But sometimes it's also important to get outside of pharmacy and talk to others who don't know what we do, what we do so that they see the value in what we bring. Um, so a couple of organizations I got involved with pretty early on in my career, um, one was called the Association of Clinicians for the Underserved. And I was a first pharmacist who was on their board, which was great because they didn't really have um, that experience working with pharmacists. Um, from that experience actually came another experience. Um, it was the National Center for Farmworker Health. And I was the first pharmacist on their board also. And I became president of both organizations. They were both national organizations, but not pharmacy. They tended to have like uh, intradisciplinary individuals, patients, uh, physicians, nurses, social workers. Um, but then I brought that lens of a pharmacist 
um, to that. And I talked a lot about what pharmacists can do, um, especially in an ambulatory care setting. I was really working with diabetes. So um, one of the things I always tell people is get yourself involved in whatever you have passion about. It doesn't have to even be within a healthcare arena, right? Like if you really care about um, the Boys and Girls Club, if you care about girls, you know, my daughter's in girls chorus. So anything you can do to help a volunteer to become active, parent teacher, you know, the school boards, you know, your homeowners association, anything that gives you experience in either sitting uh, at in a in an organization where you actually have the opportunity to influence, that's how you start. And that's essentially what led me to have the opportunities I had. It was literally, you know, volunteering and, and participating. And then that opportunity leading to another opportunity or somebody recommending me because there was some expertise that they were looking at, um, then led to the second experience that led to the third experience. And so what do you do? It's that first breakthrough experience that you really need to start building. Um, and so I always... I tell students, you know, right now, for example, APHA has all these section interest groups, tons of them. They've got them on anything you can think of. They've got them on under, you know, underserved, care for the underserved. They have them on, on public health. Yep. Um, they have them <laughs> on medication therapy management. And what I see is people participate, they come in and out. Um, but what I see also is they look for, they're looking for leadership. They're actually always asking for people to volunteer, to be vice chair, or to be chair. Uh, and a lot of people, surprisingly, very few people end up actually volunteering because it's a lot of work. And I always tell people, yes, exactly. None of these opportunities that um, come are easy. They're nothing, they're not, you know, easy giveaways. You actually have to work really hard and you have to volunteer and it means creating more work for yourself. But then that work really pays off in spades because then there's another opportunity that happens. And yeah, and I reflect back on what's happened in my career and the opportunities and recommendations and, and people I've crossed paths with, with and um, some of the things that I can't even believe have happened because I've been a pharmacist. I've been invited to speak internationally. I've been invited because I spoke Spanish and I was one of the few people that could actually speak in Spanish and they needed a topic covered. Uh, I went to Peru. I went to Puerto Rico to speak on a couple of topics because of that and been to Japan, um, Saudi Arabia because of some of these experiences. But I can tell you that you just have to, uh, it's the same discussion we had earlier, right? You have to make the space, but then you also have to agree. And then there is work involved with that. And um, yeah, I did that pretty much. I agree to a lot of things my first decade of my career. And then after that, I started being more selective just because I um, I could be more, I could be more selective. And then I was also trying to prioritize um, my family and, you know, balancing all of that. Plus my, obviously my responsibilities at work uh, so that all of my um, priorities started to align. And now the things that I take on are really very aligned. They're very public health driven. They're, a lot of it is around advocacy. Like what I do here in my professional um, job with Tabula Rasa is very similar to what I do with APHA. We, um, the founders of this organization are pharmacists. So I'm like in an organization that cares and believes about pharmacists. I work with APHA that cares and believes about pharmacists. And so I don't call it more work. Now it's just the, the missions are aligned. And then I get to push um, and advocate for the profession because that's, you know, that's really bringing all of those things together. And so that's been, um, I don't want to say by design, but I've, you know, tried to really align myself to really get to that place where I can just push the things that I really have passion and what I care about. Uh, and and I get to be more a little bit more selective in being able to do that now.
and I love to mentor. I, I really do. I, um, I have the, the luxury here of working with a lot of students because we're affiliated with universities, but we also have a residency program. And so that gives me a lot of opportunity to really talk with students and residents uh, about how they can create those opportunities for themselves. And then what I like to do now, because I'm more selective, is if there's an opportunity that comes my way that I'm not able to do, I always love to hand it off to somebody I know would do a great job. Um, so that that is still being addressed. There's still a pharmacist representing it, but it gives somebody else another opportunity to do it. And it doesn't have to be me all the time now. That's amazing. I love that sense of synergy. And um, it's funny, I have a really great uh, colleague of mine. She says it's all about the messy yes, right? So like you may not have it all figured out at the time, but you, you still want to say yes, because you don't want the opportunity to pass you by. And I think so frequently, um, in particular women, we wait for things to be so perfect before we take that leap of faith that it's so difficult for us to, you know, go on and, um, and, and go for those leadership positions or go for that maybe non-traditional, uh, you know, board position or role, because we don't think that all the stars are aligned and everything is perfect. And so um, I, you know, Shell Stanberg talks about that in Lean In. And, and I feel like that really, I really took that to heart. And so um, when you were talking about being in, in some of those organizations that hadn't really had pharmacist representation, uh, you know, one of the things that I did earlier in my career as well, before I had kids, um, is that I actually um, ran for president of my um my state public health association. And I'm one of two pharmacists in the country that have had that uh, position and have been a president of, a, of, of the American Public Health Association's uh, chapter. And one of the things that I, I talked about after the fact was I was wondering like why no pharmacist had ever done this before because I was embedded in the health department and I spent a decade actually the first uh, you know, decade of my career pretty much in a health department and how I was like, wow, why are more pharmacists not doing this? There's so many opportunity and just that, you know, infectious disease, communicable disease focus, prevention, underserved communities, uh, you know, sexual health, um, tuberculosis, HIV, uh, immunizations. I mean, it was just like a smorgasbord of everything that was like, that I loved. And I just, I could never figure out why more pharmacists didn't get involved. And then, you know, through my affiliations with the state health department um, and our county, you know, they had a lot of leadership that was coming out of those county and, and local health departments. And so I started going to chapter meetings. They had me as, you know, a chapter representative. And then when they had opportunities for people to run for president, they're, they were having trouble having people run and they were like, you know, it's going to be a lot of work, but you know, these are the things we can do for you. We'll have somebody help mentor you. So it was really a three-year commitment because it was, you know, president elect, mm -hmm. you were president and then you were immediate past president. And, you know, that was like some of the busiest times in my life, but it was so rewarding. And I just think back. And at the time when they asked me, I was like, are you crazy? Like, why would I do this? But I'm so like, I'm so glad I did it. And I just, I met so many amazing people through that. And, and even just now thinking about what happened in the Capitol, you know, as president, they take you to the Capitol and, you know, looking at those halls and seeing what happened there, it was just 
I have a very personal connection because that's what I did when I, you know, as APHA, they, they are, well, the other APHA, yeah, <laughs> sorry, um, the big A, big P, big H, big A, uh-huh. um, uh, they took us on a tour of the Capitol and we went and we talked to lawmakers and senators and it's just, you know, you think about that and I'm like, man, I'm so glad that I had that experience because now I don't know if I would have that experience now because the Capitol's locked down you know, all these things are changing and yeah, it's just, it's been, it's been an interesting path and an interesting journey, but I'm so glad that you brought that up that, you know, don't be fearful of, you know, going out of the profession to take on some of these leadership positions. And is it, if it's your passion, because public health was my passion, you know, going into something that you love. And if you lead with that and you lead with service, you'll never go wrong. Yeah. And there's so many things to do, right? Like, I love what you're saying because I worked at a federally qualified health center, which to me yep. is like a public health department because we work so exactly on Absolutely. all of the public health. Um, and and it's it reminds me of when I was a kid, I thought everything had been invented. You know, everything's been invented. There's nothing else. And then you look at all the innovation, even with toothbrushes now, like they seem to improve on like the most simplest things. And now I just see uh, when I have students that need to do a quality improvement project or when I am looking for, you know, things to do, I'm like, oh, my gosh, what I don't have is enough time. But there is so much to do and so much you can give to and so much you can volunteer for. And, you know, there's so much leadership opportunities and all these gaps that exist. It's not there's just simply not enough of us. Uh, But I always feel like sometimes when you're talking um, to students, sometimes they don't see that wider you know, field, they see what they think um, that pharmacists can do, which is in a lot of sense, it seems limiting. But when you actually start really talking about all the opportunities of what you can really do and how you can impact care, there's just endless opportunities. So I always say that because a lot of people are saying, well, what's the future of pharmacy? We're seeing enrollment rates go down all and all this. I'm like, I'm my goodness, it's just, it's, it's shocking to me that we're seeing that, that because it's quite the opposite for what's out there and what the need is. It's tremendous. Yeah, I agree hundred percent. So speaking of your professional growth and development, what's one of the things that you feel like is like the best investment that you made during your professional career? I definitely appreciated um, just investing in more education. I, um, you know, when you're in pharmacy school, you're just so uh, concerned about pharmacy school and finishing and like the tests and all these things that um, you don't enjoy it as much as I think when you're done and you're actually practicing. So I went back and got my master's of public health degree about 10 years after I finished my PharmD degree. And I just enjoyed that so much more and in such a different way than when I was, you know, struggling. And I think it was because I was really stressed out about succeeding. I was stressed out about getting into pharmacy school. I didn't have any money for scholarships. My parents did not think, you know, that I should even go to college. They were really nervous about me going to school and like going away from home. I was only daughter. Um, So I had all these barriers. And so I was just stressed out about trying to get into pharmacy school, finish it. And I was just, you know, I I just didn't enjoy um, the time as much as I did in my public health degree. And that was mostly because I had, you know, I had finished, I was more established and I could um, really like also look around and use my experience to actually apply to my capstone project and to the different things that I needed. So I always tell, you know, people like it, it really invest in yourself. Uh, 
everything we do is lifelong learning, not just, you know, being a pharmacist, but just in general, being a human being, if you can uh, be open to new ideas, be open to learning, be open to um, experiences, even travel. I mean, the, what I've learned from travel when I've gone out internationally, I'm like, my goodness, the things that are being done so differently and in a lot of ways better or different, you can bring back and apply to your experience and see how you can, you know, just make things uh, better for the people around you. So I just think education is one of the ways to invest in yourself. And, um, and now there's even more flexibilities. Uh, I've done some, you know, PGX, uh, some um, uh, like Coursera courses on different topics, cut the contact tracing. I did that through John, John yeah. Hopkins, which I thought was great. I learned not it's just so good. I, yeah, right. It was yeah. amazing. You learn it for yourself because you needed to know it because it's going to impact you, potentially your family. But then you could also apply it to your to what we were doing as a organization and as a profession. So um, those I just look at those little pieces of, of education as just, just more investment and more satisfaction because it just brings about potential innovation with with what you're doing just to get you out of that you know, usual thing that you do and bring in new things to do. So I, that's the best thing I've done is just continue to invest in education. So who do you think would uh, be one of your biggest role model, models or influences professionally? Gosh, you know, I've had, I've been so blessed by being, um, by having some really strong women leaders that I've been very lucky to work with. A couple of, of individuals I think of right away. Um, there was this lady, Kathy Westfilling. She's still it's amazing. I'm still in connection with her. She was um, the executive director of the Association of Clinicians for the Underserved. And oh. she was a great mentor. She's still a very dear friend. And, and she's always like just kept up with me and just checks in. And she's one of those people that is just an incredible connector. You know, like mm. if she sees an opportunity, she's like, hey, you need to talk to so-and-so. I remember the first time I talked to her, I'll never forget. She um, was based out of the DC area because that's where ACU was. And I thought I was talking to somebody from a different world because she had all these acronyms and that's how people in DC spoke. And that that's was the first person, right? I was like, oh my gosh, I don't even know what you're saying. This is how inexperienced I was, but she was throwing acronyms left and right. I'm like, you need to like slow down, Kathy, because I don't understand half of what you're saying, which is now funny because now, you know, I feel like I speak that way to some degree, hopefully not to that extreme, but she had just been there forever and that was the language and that's what people knew and she was the one who recommended me for the national center for farm worker health when they were looking for a pharmacist to work on a project on um uh it was like this this project for prescribing and so she recommended me to another executive director very strong um leader her name is bobby Ryder, and uh this woman is amazing phenomenal she started well she like worked at national center for farm worker health for th about 30 years and just recently oh, wow. retired. but this lady's just like one of those passionate ladies that lives and breathes everything farm workers advocacy um just the real deal and so between those two individuals I've had such incredible role models for leadership and just people that advocate for like incredible causes um, and so they have both of them in different ways, but um, I still, you know, I'm still connected to them. And it's just wonderful to, to see how these individuals have really impacted, not just me, because they have, they probably have like so many more of me, of people that they've um, either mentored or connected or done things with. And, and that's, 
hopefully I can become a person like them because I, I want to be that person. Like you said earlier, I don't want to just say, oh, okay, I'm done. You know, I want to pull people behind me, make sure that I infuse um, these types of, of individuals in different things. And, and I love to push, you know, pharmacy into areas that have never had pharmacy. Like I always feel like if I'm going to move on, I always have to have somebody who's replacing me that represents pharmacy or whatever that, that um, advocacy is. So I never just walk away from something without that being sustained. That's really important to me. Everything about sustainability is critical. That's why I care so much about provider status. Like I want to make sure anything that we start isn't a best practice, but it's a standard practice, right? Like, yeah, it, it could have been a best practice, but now it's become the standard and it's sustainable. And it's not just a, a grant where you have a little bit of money and then as soon as the money's done, it's gone. That's not the point. The point is for whatever you invest in so that it continues to grow and it just, you know, continues to help other people. Yeah, it's, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, you know, I could probably talk to you for hours and hours. Um, I'm going to just ask like maybe one more question. And then um, I would love for you to tell uh, our listeners where they can find you because you are a wealth of information and everyone should be following at least your Twitter feed, if not more. <laughs> so um, I, I, I think about you know, where you are now versus, you know, where you started. And I'm just curious if you could tell your younger self something, you know, now, what would it be and why? I would tell my younger self to relax, not to have an ulcer. Because <laughs> I, like I said, I was so stressed about just trying to make it. And I think I, I mean, I grew up, I, my parents are immigrants. Um, I'm first generation, you know, if you like, I, I even now I sit now and I reflect on where I'm at now and what I've accomplished versus what everything, you know, all these barriers that existed in 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 my uh, in my area. Just like I think about everything you're talking about, just being in a leadership position, being president of APHA, being an executive in a publicly traded company. These are things that were I didn't even know they existed. So to be sitting in this um, in this place right now is sometimes I wake up and I can't believe it, you know, in a good way. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I get to impact people and I get to, you know, do these things because I just, it's just incredible that, that it happened. Um, but so, but I mean, I've worked really hard to be able to get here, but I would just say, you know, relax. I would have told my younger self, relax, it'll be okay. Everything's gonna turn out fine. Don't stress out so much because I stressed out a lot. And I guess it was just because you know, my parents worked so, so hard to make it, just to make it. And my dad worked so hard. And a lot of his work was like minimum wage kind of stuff, like really blue collar. He was a farm worker. And, you know, my father, unfortunately, passed away fairly young. He was 58. And I just like, I just want to make sure I leave a legacy for all the, all of the things he did to get me uh, the opportunity that I have now. And my brothers, all three of us are, uh, we graduated from colleges and universities and he would be so proud that he gave us all the opportunity. My mom gave us all these opportunities. So I just don't take that for granted, not even for a minute. And I know so many people are struggling right now to afford college and to, you know, not experience the barriers. People that are in the front lines, they have to go to work. They don't get to stay home. They don't get to be remote. You know, they have to go and do their job because that's the only way they have a life, like income or livelihood for their kids. Yeah, I don't take it for granted when, um, parents are struggling at home trying to manage their kids and work and all of the competing priorities pay bills I mean I get bills all the time I'm like oh my gosh I'm so grateful I can pay my bills but I just 
I see the cost of things. I'm like, how can people afford this on sometimes less than minimum wage? And I just, and I don't have any language barriers anymore. Thank goodness. Um, I have transportation. I, I, I just don't take that for granted. And I used to see my patients struggle with that all the time. So I just, I reflect on that every day. Everything I do really is because I came from that experience and I see my community have that experience. And too many times it's people that don't even, can't even relate to that, that make decisions about that, right? And unless you actually can speak to that and can actually represent that voice, they get forgotten. People get forgotten all the time. And that's not fair. It's just not a, it's not, it's not equitable. It's just not just, and we just need to make sure that people are taken care of. Man, I just, honestly, I feel like I could talk to you for another hour. Um, I for sure want to ask you to be back on again after you start your tenure as APHA president. Um, And I will end with asking you one more thing. Uh, If you could just leave our listeners with one little pearl of wisdom and then where they can find you and follow you because you are already a legacy. Um, You've already done so much for the profession. And I don't know your father, um, but I can already tell you that, you know, you've already done so much for for other women of color and and just so proud. And um, I I just am honored to speak to you today. So I appreciate the invitation. I am going to read to you the quote because this is this the quote. Because it's the pearl that I want to leave um, with it. This is a quote by Desmond Tutu. And I think about this when I read this quote for the first time, it really, it touched me because I just, it meant everything to me. It's, this is a quote. It says, there comes a point where you need to stop pulling people out of the river and we need to go upstream and find out why they are falling in. Mm. And so that is everything about public health to me. It's how do we work towards prevention of the, of the challenges people have every day? Well, so I read that every time and I look at it and it just reminds me like, I, I, you know, I worked on diabetes forever. Now I'm working on diabetes prevention. Um, I don't like, I never really liked hospital pharmacy because it was too late. People were already in there for a significant reason. How could I get into like more preventative and even with my public health degree, even prevention of disease prevention of like significant challenges. So I think about that um, to always look to see why, what's the underlying cause for people's problems and address that and not just the patch, not just the critical issue, not just the, you know, firefighter mentality of trying to deal with things after they happen. That doesn't work. It's costing us way too much. We're less effective um, and we're just not helping people when they need to be helped. And so that's all about why I think public health is a way we need to really invest in. Uh, and focus on. And so I hope, you know, as a profession, we're doing that by getting out there and vaccinating people, being access points, being able to advocate for patients because they're coming to us before people have problems. And that's the goal. Absolutely. And where can people find you? So I am definitely on Twitter. My my hash um, or my handle is S-L-E-A-L-R-X. So S-L-E-A-L-R-X. And that's pretty much my social media handle for everything, for LinkedIn, uh, Facebook. Those are my my primary three platforms are our Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And so you can find me with that hashtag on all three. Awesome. And I will definitely include those in the show notes. Thank you so much again. And I look forward to having you back on. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate the invitation, Christine. Hopefully we get to see each other in person in this year sometime. I would absolutely adore that. That sounds great. Thank you. 
Thank you. Time is our most precious asset, and we thank you for spending your time with us and Dr. Madison, the public health pharmacist. Learn more at thepublichealthpharmacist.com.